Well, let her rip. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Hey, Twister the... Man. Now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. Watching Leatherface swing a chainsaw, for those of you watching video, which is available on... Which is available YouTube, on. <laughs> presumably. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, uh, we'll get back to you with how to actually find it and later in the show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, was that not Heavy D and the Boys? It was. Yes. Isn't it, um, <clears throat> isn't it horrible seeing political elites, the elected psychopaths yes, that yes. run our country, <laughs> dancing? Like you have yeah. no right to dance, yeah. Ever, I don't. Okay, maybe at your kid's wedding, mm -hmm. that's it. You get one per child, and so this would be a law. You're saying, <laughs> <laughs> no, just by the normative codes of common decency, S you would be embarrassed behavior. to be found dancing anywhere. Ugh, God, these people. I, uh, you know what I love about Heavy D and the boys. A lot of people start off sentences like that. That era of hip-hop was <laughs> just about... I was just going to say it. I was like, man, I remember that time. I was like, man, that was a weird time for music. It was the best time for hip-hop. It was before hip-hop was about m murdering people. Mm -hmm. And it was just about having fun, you know? Finding love. Yeah. And, what and to, then what once, to do with once love is found, what's, what, what do you, you going to do with it? Yes. <laughs> Uh, when that when that kicked off, I thought it was rhythm as a dancer at first. Oh, uh, yes, like, oh, dude, I'm not. <laughs> Your the, jam. I'm, I'm already not in the best mood. <laughs> uh, you love that song. Yeah, you love it. I told someone that the other day. It's like, can I send this to your email? I was like, yep. Or what is it? Uh, it's rhythm as a dancer sixty nine at aol dot com. Like, okay, is that all? You like, spell out sixty nine <laughs> or is it yeah. just six nine? Come on, buddy, get the joke. Yeah, give it the program. Uh, that's it, because we were talking about Heavy D and the Boys yesterday in the Academy. Mm -hmm. You were there, right? Yes. And I was the one talking with you. Ah, yes. Hey, you look so familiar. Yes, that was me. <laughs> okay. Hello. Um, we brought it up. I mean, we were planning on doing an entire episode of this, but I got into the obesity rates, and they're saying by 2030, over half the world is going to be obese. I was like, that just absolutely cannot be true. 
And more I looked into it, I was like, well, it looks like it might be true. Three if America is an indicator, then. Right. And then three quarters of the adult male population in the UK are going to be obese by that time, which I don't know if you've had British food, but it was no shocker <laughs> to find. It's, and we, so I started looking into it. So I, I, that was kind of my, uh, like out in the wild, I just throw out to people like, why do you think that is? And almost everyone, you know, due to a roundabout way, kind of came to the same conclusion. It's like our food is poison at this point. People don't eat real food anymore. And so I started looking into Funny it. that that is not a political issue. Right. Right? Like you right. didn't get a speech right. from people it, on the it, left. It, it is and far and above heart disease and heart disease-related incidents is the biggest killer. Yeah. And yeah. everyone knows that our food is shit. Yeah. I always bring it up with my dentist. I say, how come we have to brush our teeth? Our ancestors didn't brush their teeth, and I never get a good answer because dentists aren't really that educated in um, anthropology, I guess, or science. I guarantee but they have a nickname for you in that office. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got an appointment with. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not really allowed in there anymore, so um, <laughs> that's very likely. Um, the, uh, the thing is is that you, you always get the answer, well, people didn't live as long. Back in the day. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so you're saying they died of gum disease? Mm -hmm. Or what, they starved to death because their teeth fall out? Right. Well, it turns out people did live just as long back in our uh, hunter-gatherer ancestral times. Right. They just had a lower life expectancy because you, uh, childhood uh, death rates. Right, right. Much higher, you know, and child dying uh, during childbirth. And gotcha. These things that don't kill people anymore. Um, but if you made it past your childhood and you made it through childbirth as a Childbearing, uh, birthing person. Right. Um, Thank you. Then you would be likely to live just as long as people live today. Right. So how come they and they didn't have floss or toothbrushes or toothpaste mm -hmm. back then? They just had what. And just like you were saying with the obesity thing, when you have this conversation with someone that's open minded and actually thinking about what's changed, it always comes down to the diet. Uh huh. Well, they didn't eat processed food. Any crap? Yeah. Back then. Yeah, that was I, – I, I actually looked into it. Same thing with braces, apparently. that they, they say that the reason that our mouths are not big enough for all of our teeth is because we don't really use our jaws the way that we used to. Interesting. So they don't get, like, spread out like a nice manly jaw like you possess. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I had. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's nice I don't have to drag the compliments out of you. <laughs> um, yeah, we – everyone – you know, off the top of their head said like, ah, it's, I mean, it's just gotta be diet. And it's like, well, like what about it though? You know, I wasn't trying to do like a gotcha moment. And mm -hmm. I just, I was curious to, I'm always curious to like what people's kind of knee jerk answer would be. And as we were talking about yesterday, it's like, I think it's cause we've seen this change in our lifetime. You know what I mean? We're looking at half the adult population being obese by 2030, which is like seven years away. And then we, as we always call it, the walk out the front door test. That just mathematically isn't possible by the way. Yeah, you can't put on the whole half the population is not going to put on that much weight in seven years. Well, anyways, that, well right. that's why I looked in this into this statistic <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we can still relinquish the fact that we're heading in that direction. We're definitely yeah. screaming in that direction. Yeah. And was we call it the walk out the front door test. It's like how many like really overweight people did you know as like a little kid just in our lifetimes? Mm -hmm. I mean that's wildly different today. Yeah, and I think I mean, it has to do with several factors. I mean. 
far more people have sedentary lifestyles now, obviously that has something to do with it. But I think far and above it's, it's just diet, it's processed foods, it's chemicals. People don't eat, eat real food anymore. I think a lot of it has to do with, according to my internet research, is that <clears throat> qualified to do internet research? Oh yeah. Well, For, I, I got not... a couple years left until I <laughs> don't have to uh, register. A, um, it's, I think, with the ease that we can get food, you know, like ha- a family sitting down to have dinner is just like not a thing really anymore right? Right. for a lot of people. We try our best here. And with the, you know, just the prevalence of just convenience, you know, Uber Eats and, you know what I mean? You can get whatever, you know, chilies de- delivered to your door, you know, for a $7 delivery fee. And then when you look into, because I've always theorized, I'm like, it's sugar. It's sugar is poison. It's absolutely poison. And what happened is the big ag companies lobbied uh, the FDA for them to change the, the, the way they category sugar. And so as we knew it in the 80s and 90s, it would have been like saccharin and sweet and low, the, the sugar substitutes, which are still sugar. They still have the same effect at yep. least. But now they have, I mean, well, or, or worse. It's something yeah, same effect as right. sugar or probably yeah, much real, worse. Real sugar is actually better for you. Yeah. I mean, I look for it now. If there's right. a choice between sugar or something else. Yeah, so when you no go brainer. to, you know, when we feel good, you know, here in California, like, yeah, I'm kind of hip, and with it, I get my food from Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or whatever, and I get the Trader Joe's chicken shawarma pack, and it's just got this paragraph of ingredients that you've never, ever recognized. Like, I don't know what any of this is. Most of those are different kinds of sugar. Starting with shawarma. <laughs> shawarma, yes. <laughs> never heard of it. <laughs> is the most of that stuff is sugar and you change like one molecule like it's like breaking bad shit and it's just like okay well this is sugar and the rule of thumb you know i listened to some podcasts with some uh dietary people said if it's sweet it has sugar on it even it says like no sugar i mean you diet coke or whatever correct it's got sugar in it but also because they know that you know we just have an affinity for sugar it's just what you know what it's a it's a pleasure for human beings is they have taken this these sugar substitutes with weird chemical names <clears throat> and it's in our bread it's like the amount of sugar in bread now is insane right. it's, it's salad dressing it rivals the amount of plastic in bread if you go to the subway <laughs> <laughs> now that's saying something yeah yeah, I mean, you look at salad dressings. They did a breakdown of the ingredients of salad dressings. And you yeah. think like, yeah, I'm going to go to Whole Foods and get a salad. And it's just like, that's it's just poison. You're eating poison. It's funny. Uh, we didn't want to do this episode on obesity. It sounds like we are doing yes. it. But uh, going back to what, what brought this up was we were talking about Heavy D. Uh-huh. I brought right. it up because I was looking for this song. Yeah. Um, this song is on Junior's favorites playlist. Mm-hmm. Like, we try to expose him to all the music that, that I like, whether it has... Whether it's appropriate for kids or not, I kind of don't care. Yeah. And if he likes it, we put it in his playlist. Nice. And so this song ended up in his playlist. Got any uh, Top Gun soundtrack in there? Just a little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. Because <laughs> that's all we got in this house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I know. It's an epidemic. But uh, I was looking for the video to uh, get the music for the show, and I was watching this video of Heavy D, and I'm like, the dude is not even fat. Not that big. <laughs> Relative to the standards that we have set today, yeah. he's not that big. Like his name, Heavy D. You, if he came out today, you wouldn't think it was because he's fat. Yeah, you would think. I mean, the fat boys were fat. The fat boys were fat. Okay, but Heavy D is hence like the name, yes, husky. Yeah, right by today's standards. So check this out. I saw this article recently. 
Almost 80% of Americans aged 17 to 24 are unfit for military service. Yeah. Is that insane? Because they're too fucking um, fat. Imagine everyone that you knew at that age. I, like, we, yeah. I grew up skateboarding, I so we all skateboarded. Like, I didn't know anyone. And we're not poking, there was this, there we're was not a, poking fun at people that are overweight or have no. you know, some, you know. I mean, we did when we were in high school. Yes. But, <laughs> but we, we've grown up since then. Now we put it on the internet. In fact, I feel guilty. I feel bad for some of the shit that I wasn't necessarily the one doing it. But uh-huh, uh-huh. We... <laughs> We with this guy torture. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I, I never did that. I, I, I don't know. Check this out. In this same article, one uh, 2022 study found a link between receiving food assistance and a greater chance of becoming obese through the consumption of unhealthy foods. It's especially true for participants in the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Just I have one seen- more example yeah. of the government getting involved in something and making it worse. Yes. So be dependent on the government. You need us to support you. You need your kids to be fed by us when they go to school so we can give them this garbage food, make them fat, even more dependent because they are now unhealthy and they can't... Right get a job, they can't get into the military, they're, they're being denied opportunities, and so what do they have to fall back on but government assistance in one way or another? That's, it's, that's, it's funny, you, that's funny you bring that up because I just uh, was reading an article this morning that um, there's this giant panic is the wildly corrupt and uh, politically connected Los Angeles uh, school district mm-hmm. um, is panicking because their teachers went on strike, walked off, and they didn't tell anyone, or parents said they didn't know. And there, this person was quoted in the article, like, this is a complete travesty, which it is. I mean, that's a huge disruption. But the main thing that they focused on, do you want to take a guess? They focused on this handful of schools. Do you want to guess what percentage of students in the schools that they talked about were being provided a lunch from that school district? Oh, wow. Take a guess. Percentage. Whew. It's got to be high. This is according to Los Angeles. This is according to the article I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70%. 100%. What? <laughs> yes. 100%. 100%. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, we're going to see more of that, I think, as people oh, yeah, absolutely. like us uh, and who listen to this podcast probably keep pulling their kids out of public school. Those are also those people that are not likely to have the public school feed their kids in the first place. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to get more and more concentration of yeah. that kind of just full court press 100% indoctrination into the system, into their politics, into their way of thinking, eating their food, being dependent on their services. That's just going to be all that public schools are You know, it's interesting because this is, uh, as we always say, I don't know why you'd still be listening to this podcast, but the people that are working themselves into a mad rage that we're trying to demonize poor people, that's not the point. There should be, there are families that need help, right? And there should, you know, we can have problem uh, programs to help these people. But just from what I experienced with my kid when he was in second grade at a public school is they set home. They were saying, yeah, we, we, we'll feed him. I was like, you don't have to. We got it. He goes, no, 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 we got him. And then he, they were feeding him anyway. And we had to actually say something like, we make his lunch. Like, we don't, you know what I mean? And I, I, I just I framed it like this. Like, there's families that need this help. Like, don't waste it on us. And it was also important to me. It's like. Because people say, like, what's the, what's the big deal? It's like, because I want my, my, I want my kid to leave here knowing that I'm the one that feeds him, right? And, it, you know, I know that some people need help, and, you know, God bless them. Let's, let's help them out. But I don't – I want the message – they were, like, trying to push it on us, mm-hmm. which, which, which was kind of my point. 
And I was, I was really surprised by it. It's something I had never thought about before. And I remember having the conversation with my wife saying, it's, it seemed like almost like kind of aggressive. Like, you know, you kept like, no, that no, was no. At we the got public we school. Got, that was at the public school. Yeah. It's, which she's it, no longer part of. It's different. Um, some, and I haven't really given this much thought, although it probably wouldn't take me long to formulate a good thought on it, but there's a difference between, ah, let her rip. <laughs> there's a difference between a public school feeding your kid and let's say a Catholic school feeding mm-hmm. your kid or um, a private school right. feeding your kid or a small little pod of homeschool like-minded individuals yeah. feeding your kid, right? I think that's like, I was going along, as I said, those that it's more and more acceptable to me um, that a small group of people that I know and trust and believe in their entire ideology and the way that they think to that, give my kid food than just some government agency. That is an excellent point. Actually, I should have brought this up. Is That was issue number two that I had. Is I Because I would drop them off in the mornings. I was looking at what they were feeding the kids. Going back to the obesity mm-hmm. <laughs> discussion. It was like I, th- I would never feed that to my kid. It was yeah. it was it was pro- it was like fat. It was packaged waffles, like stuff like weird sugary cereals, like pudding cups, and just yeah. It's like it, it, that's I, di- I, I didn't have the heart to tell her. I was like, well, you're feeding kids fucking poison. <laughs> we can start with that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think the, all this stuff is very very related. I saw somewhere that Lunchables were now like. On top of the food pyramid. <laughs> the, the, what, the, what is it now? Food, the, uh, food arrow? No, uh, what was that called? The, uh, I don't know. It was like a three-tiered system. Yeah. Yeah. But eggs and ground beef and everything were on the bottom and on the top. Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms, Cheerios. Yeah. yeah. We're all weird processed food. Which we, we have talked about this before on the podcast is that, you know, you, I had a bit of an awakening because I, you know, grew up in the 90s and... It was low-fat this, low-fat, you know, what do they call them? Snack wells. Do you remember snack wells? Yes. These weird-ass, they were cookies. They were cookies. Yes. But they were zero fat, zero sugar. That was what the well part was supposed to mean in <laughs> snack well. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, you see, you know, at the same time, this implementation of the zero fat, zero, you know, zero fat movement, basically. Like, fat's the enemy. You don't want to be fat, obviously don't eat fat, which is just the word fat. The most fat, juvenile, fat, like, fat. fat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, is uh, they, they, you know, you can, I mean, it's pretty easily to, to see, you know, just skyrocketing obesity rates, you know, right when they started pushing these foods on everyone. And I remember eating these foods. And it's like, I look back on now, it's like, I would never eat that. It's like, I run a simple, I don't know, I'm, not strict about diet, but I just make sure I just eat real food. Like I just, I need to know what all the ingredients are. Simpler the better, right? Stay away from chemicals, stay away from processed foods and, you know, go out and rock a pizza or something every once in a while, but like forage in the backyard. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, exactly. But, uh, yeah, that now it's your awakening. We were, you know, we were told like, don't eat eggs, like one egg a week or whatever it is, you know? And now it's like, we, I don't know. What is even true anymore? <laughs> I feel like I know as truth. Like, no, eggs are good for you. That's one of the most perfect foods you can eat. You know, having chickens, like, you, you get eggs. It's the most simplest protein. You know, no ingredients, no chemicals, you know, anything. And, you know, then you look back, you're like, oh, well, the sugar lobby was, you know, lobbying Congress and the FDA to basically remake the food pyramid in their image. Yeah. And before I cared about politics or anything, that was like one of my first awakening. I'm like, just being lied to. Mm-hmm. It just dawned on me. You know, I'm, I'm in, you know, 
20 years old at this point. I was like, never thought about, you know, evil, corrupt global elites or politics. And I didn't care about Democrat or Republican. I figured I was probably a Democrat because my parents were, and that's where it ended. And <coughs> But my grandpa was Republican. Like, they're okay, too. Like, just, I don't even think about this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. Um, you know what you see a lot on – so I've been watching Tucker a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, since I just want to see you know, how much of what we say on our show ends up on his show. Much like the Glenn, Breck, Glenn Beck program. I mean, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> they got to get their material somewhere. Right, you right. know, it's, they have interns. Their whole uh, kidney failure <laughs> sounded a little familiar. Yeah, I know. A little too on the nose, guys. <laughs> you know they have some intern, and they're like, just, you're not getting paid. Just do, do research. Find, find out information. And Hold on a sec. I'm going to get me um, a glass of wine. Hey, I thought I'd class up this place a little bit. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, what I'm referring to it's is fine that Pino, by uh, Tucker brought up the exact same article that we talked about on the show. Uh, was that before or after our podcast? He brought it up afterwards. Oh, that's yes. kinda, so that's it just kind of, you know, not saying they stole our material or anything, but uh, at least we got it out first. Yes. So they can't accuse us of stealing their material. Right, right, right. So, right. Whoever that intern is uh, that is listening, you know, little little tip you're of, welcome, I guess. Little tip of the cat <laughs> next time wouldn't kill you. But as I'm watching uh, Tucker, who, by the way, Tucker Carlson has been so good on everything for the last two or three weeks. Really? I mean, I I honestly I don't think I've ever watched Tucker Carlson. I've seen like clips here and there, but the only way you would is if you Googled it and found it. Someone ripped it on the internet because you don't have TV. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not at your fingertips, right? It is at my fingertips. It's at the uh, and you're just laying out these hurdles. <laughs> <laughs> I know I would not want to put you through the pain of having to subscribe to cable television or YouTube TV. God forbid something like that, where you'd have to get on the phone and deal with an automated uh, uh, response system. I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyways, I mean, he has been good on the financial stuff. He has like been nailing what the problem is mm-hmm. to like like he's an Austrian economist. Really, he has been good on the January sixth stuff. Obviously, yeah. Um, the Ukraine war stuff, holding politicians' feet to the fire. I mean, it's like journalism happening. Really, right before your eyes. Interesting. It's amazing. Yeah, the clips that you guys send me, I'm pretty impressed by. So as you watch, of course, he's stealing from us. So how could I not be impressed? Exactly, it is impressive. <laughs> That's um, exactly what I thought about that. <laughs> And I said so, and put it on the internet. For this show. <laughs> so, uh... Hey, Tucker, how about hitting up the whole Patreon? I want to kill you. <laughs> Throw a few bucks our way? Jesus. Keep us in beer. Um, anyways, as you watch, you, you start to get used to the commercials, even if you fast-forward through them like I do. Yeah. But it's almost always the same, same commercials. It's my pillow. Yes. And it's, are you suffering from back pain? <laughs> or arm pain, or you know, all these people that are suffering from they, some sort of pain. They know who their demographic is. I swear to God, dude, we got to make a spoof commercial uh-huh. to, for uh, to well, it wouldn't be on Fox News, but for our show, I right? Guess, about um, are you experiencing uh, pain? This totally ties into the obesity thing. How about try not being a fat fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Just go down that road of fat shaming people. The reason that you're experiencing pain is because you have totally neglected your body. 
You're feeding it garbage. You never exercise. You sit in a chair and watch Fox News all day long. Get off your ass. You might feel better. Get off the fucking TikTok. The Chinese are stealing your information. Just keep going and going yes. and going. And while we're at it, Tower 7. Two planes, three buildings. Does someone want to explain that to me? <laughs> it's like, are we watching a commercial right now? What's going on here? Really? The passport was just laying in the street? <laughs> Didn't even need burn marks on it. Why was JFK's usual security detail, detail on a plane to Japan <laughs> when he was assassinated in Dallas, Texas? Tucker's going to reveal that one, too. Okay. So um, um, I have a gift for you, but you have to get the bumper ready. Okay. Wait for it. Okay. Because you're a sports guy. I am. I am not. No, you aren't. Uh, I'm a sports guy, and I like playing sports. I just yeah, You're not a sports watcher. Sports watcher. Thank you. Um, as we all know, it's March Madness. You fill out your bracket? No. Oh, I'm filling mine out tonight. So it's, You're a little late, pal. How so? Uh, the idea is to fill it out before the games start, because if you fill it out tonight, you already know the outcome. So you're saying that I can't, you know, it's a bad idea to fill out now because the tournament already started? That's correct. I mean, I think there's a strong argument to be made that kind of puts me ahead of the curve, would you not say? No, it'll make it easier, for sure. Okay, okay, we're back in agreement again. Thank you. <laughs> you should probably wait until <laughs> April. <laughs> so, uh... Our goal... Yes! ...are to hit dingers... Bad capital. Disgrace the pitcher's family. Make the other families, other players cry. <laughs> and stomp their butts into the ground. Does everyone understand that? I'm going to get into a, a word a, a word or sentence uh, feud. And if your dad has said, oh, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, just as long as you have fun. Well, I hate to say it, your dad's a loser. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Not sure I want him coaching my kids, but <laughs> <laughs> I love him too. He's just he's got spirit, you know what I mean? Yeah, got, yeah, I like so, that. His heart is definitely in the right place. So as we know, March Madness kicked off, and Kamala Harris visited her alma mater at Howard University, where they played Kansas City, I believe, and lost in pretty ugly fashion. I think yeah. the score was ninety six to sixty eight, and. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but March Madness, the brackets are single elimination. Yep. So they are gone. So in a apparent attempt, I'm going to bring something up on the screen here, in an attempt to cheer the team up, someone thought it was a great idea that to bring Kamala Harris into the locker room to give one of her famous, like, wonderful motivational speeches. You guys are so good. played hard, you played to the very last second. You made all us bison so, so proud. You hustled out there, you are smart, you are disciplined, you put everything you had into the game. And you know, that's what it's about, right? Until the last minute. Get into the groove you here. guys did that. You didn't stop until the last second you did not stop. And that is so inspiring. So you keep playing with chin up and shoulders back. Because you uh, show the world who Bison are. This is my favorite line right here. Right? I mean, you, literally what you have done is in historic proportion. Uh -huh. You know, I was at Howard back in the day where we were just happy that there was a game. 
<laughs> much less get into this place, right? And I see bison literally all over the world, and we've been talking about you, this team, you this like team. Tatanka? You all, this team, this year, this team. You make us so proud. So I know you may not be feeling great right now, okay? But know who you are. You are excellence. You are hard work. You are powerful. And you are winners. All right? So please know that. Please know that. And I'll see. Okay. Let's talk about this. Okay. <laughs> we got uh, multiple issues <laughs> that we can talk about. Uh, first and foremost, the the best line, I would listen to that in, in my truck. I heard it on a radio program. Yeah. And when she said, <laughs> now I'm seeing bison literally all over the world, I was I had tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, what's this? Like, how? Okay, let's break it down a little bit. <clears throat> if, let's think about, okay, so this is Howard University, right? Made it to March Madness. Yes. Right? I mean, they lost. They got their asses hand to them, but, I mean, that's, you know. That's hard to get there. So think about these people as like individuals. We're talking about like arguably some of the most talented, most disciplined people in the world. Yeah. Like people that, you know, could be potentially playing professional basketball. Potentially. Yeah. At least, you know, they're on the stage. They made it to the stage or whatever. Can you imagine? And I, I, I think there's a, a pretty good argument to be made. Like, for you to have that discipline, like, you're made of something different. There's, you know what I mean? You are... Oh, yeah. You're an elite on some sort of level. 100%. Like, once you, re- you reach professional sports, you know, or well, even, on your way to professional sports. I, yeah, and I, I would think that uh, NCAA Division One men's basketball I, I ex- is I ex- professional sports junior. Right, yeah. It's exactly. not professional sports, yeah. but it's... To get to that level, you have you I have mean, to make your you have a wiring that's superior to most other people in the world. To make your junior college basketball team exactly is not easy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like it. There's a huge difference between high school basketball and junior college yes basketball, and it's not just physical ability that gets you there. Just watch like uh, those. Have you heard of that documentary? It's called Last Chance You. Mm-mm. It's about uh, JUCO, junior college yeah. sports teams. The first few seasons were about football. Now they're doing it with basketball. And even the lowest of the low-level college sports, it's, they call it last chance U because these kids are going there hoping someday to make right. it you know, out of <clears throat> college and into the NBA. And they're just kind of – most of them are fuck-ups. Yeah. Or they're just not good enough. To be somewhere, and they struggle in the very, very lowest level of basketball. Yeah. So yes, I'm. All that is to say, you're right. These guys are basically pros. They're basically, you know, to get to the level that they're at, it takes a tremendous amount of discipline and effort and um, sacrifice. Right. Yeah. And so, can you imagine you finally make it to somewhat of a big stage? March Madness is a huge deal. I mean, the entire nation watches, and you get eliminated like in pretty terrible fashion, you know, by a superior team. And you go into the locker room, and this is what you're greeted with. And I actually sympathize with the players. I was like, this guy probably worked his entire life to get here, and like, this is what he has to be subjected to. They got beat on the national stage, and now he has to sit in the locker room and listen to because if some, let's say you're not a professional, if someone, the way that she talked, if someone talked to me like that, I would be thinking like, uh, this person's either 
a little dialed back, which is very unfortunate, or they have a wild, like, out-of-control opiate addiction. <laughs> it's just like we're just experiencing this other reality that you talk to other people like that. Or is it number three? Is she – it's like her processing speed exists at such a low RPM. It's like she – her mind is like – Feed us words, feed us words, feed us words. And so she talks like that. Yeah, because it's just like, it's, it's, it's the epitome of the spinning color wheel. Yes. Well, I think <laughs> that the, the, the concerns are based on what we should all be concerned about. But the, the solutions have to be mm-hmm. and include what we are doing in terms of going forward, in terms of investments. Oh. Yeah, I stand corrected. That person? So she shines every once oh. in a while. So. Sharp. Insightful. Is... Um, also, I thought it was kind of ironic. I don't know. I know this is a this is pretty deep inside baseball, but the the gist of her motivational speech is, "Hey, chin up, shoulders back." I think she said, and she mimed it for I guess the hearing impaired <laughs> for some odd reason. Didn't know what your chin was, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it was located. The irony is that this game was played in the Wells Fargo Arena, which, of course, you know, is in California. No, it's in Berkeley. No, close. San Francisco. No. You almost had it. California. Exactly. Des Moines, Iowa. And that's where they hold the Democratic primaries, which she didn't even bother to show up to because her favorability, her... her well, she was out of the race before She was the out of the race before even there. She goes, fuck, I'm not even showing up to that thing. So the irony that she shows up again in Iowa, like, you know, that was just the approval rating of her own party. Not, it wasn't a bunch of wild MAGA Republicans running against her. You know, Democrats going like, no, don't, don't even come to Iowa. I just thought that was kind of funny that she shows up on Iowa and she goes, D- never give up. Like, you know, you got to keep fighting, chin up, shoulders back. Yes. Counterpoint, I, I think that all of the athletes in the room um, are fully woke young people that were honored to have her in the room mm-hmm. with, with them because she went to their school and they all are from Washington, D.C., or probably around that area, mm-hmm. and are completely just brainwashed by the same shit that most people who think Kamala Harris or Joe Biden or any of them are actually doing a decent job uh, at what they're doing. Okay. So I don't think anybody in that room, I bet you they all were sat there and just made themselves believe that what she was saying was um, significant and you know, m- motivational, even. Okay. That's theory one. And okay, let me make one other point. Gotcha. I'm going to cut her a little bit of slack. Okay. She should have been better prepared for this because they were obviously <laughs> going to lose. <laughs> okay, they had no chance of beating Kansas. I don't in this game. Think you can. Okay, go ahead. But that is <clears throat> that is the hardest speech to give. Had they won. The speech writes itself. Okay. You just walk in there and go, what the fuck? And everyone loses their mind. <laughs> but they lost. I mean, trying to cheer people up on a, on a loss. Yeah. And it shouldn't have been that heartbreaking because they all probably knew they were going to lose going into that game, as the rest of us did. Um, and, but nonetheless, that, that's a tough, that's a pretty tough crowd. Okay. I'll take your theory and raise you this one. All right. Is that the coach... And you, you're gonna want to bring me up here on the screen. Is the coach didn't go in there? This is 32. Okay. He didn't bring Kamala Harris in there to cheer them up, right? Because right before, 
I mean, they got beat, what is it, 96 to 68, something like that. And he yep. went in there and said something to the effect of like, you guys, you guys call that basketball? Like, you know what? Season's over. I can't make you run. Jingle jangles. There's no more push-ups. There's no more runs. Like, uh, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. And he had a speech similar to this. When you were a baby in your crib, (laughs) your father looked down at you. He had but one hope. Someday my son will grow to be a man. Well, look at you now. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Nerds! <laughs> the Almighty. Well Perfect. Said. John Goodman. <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. Very well So said. I think she was brought in there to punish them. Ah. So okay. that's, that's theory number two. Interesting. He goes, all right. Well, here's what I got for you. Well played, gentlemen. That's what I had to deal with. All right. I kind of like that theory. Yeah. Yeah. Just something I kind of floated out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, <coughs> excuse me. We're both dying. Yeah. One day, this sickness is going to end. Yes. Um, speaking of sickness, um, it's recently, perhaps you've heard this, that... Uh, it's recently been released that the COVID, SARS-CoV-2 virus, was not a naturally occurring virus, but instead something that was created in a laboratory no. in Wuhan, China, and escaped from the laboratory. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Just hang on. Easy there, Alex Jones. Yeah. So you're saying the coronavirus... That now, this is something the other tour guides exactly. won't tell you. The coronavirus that plagued the entire world. Yes. Okay? Yes. And had all the attributes of a gain-of-function virus that was specifically engineered to infect people. Yes. I mean, just as an overview of the virus. hmm You're saying <clears throat> that it didn't come from the wet market down the street, that it came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology that happens to study coronaviruses and gain-of-function? That seems a little like you're slicing a little thin right there. Well, wait. Are you talking about the Wuhan Institute of Virology that received funding from Dr. Fauci? The National Institute of Health. And <laughs> Which was directed by Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci. <laughs> yeah, that one. Okay. Then, yeah. That's what I'm saying. This has been a big story lately. How dare you? I know. I know, Greta. Hold on. Hold on. Before you go flying off the handle. Before you stage another climate protest. Just hear me out. Um, It is... So this is... It's just like every goddamn thing. We're so right all the time about everything that I forget that... And thus, so are Tucker Carlson and Glenn Beck, as it turns out. (laughs) By extension, yes. <laughs> it would really make their work easy. Yes. You know, it's like, you hear it here, just run with it. Put it on your show, and don't even look back. Don't think twice. 
because we course, are. Of course, of course, we don't have the decency to tell you who we're repping off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the the cycle the cycle does not continue. I guess. Um, I hear stuff like this, and now it comes out like, oh, it escaped from a lab, and they're. Uh, the, the Department of Energy has said that that's the case, and then the FBI says that's the case, and so now everyone's like, well, I guess that's the case. And I, I struggled to, like, remember when I didn't think that that was the case mm-hmm. or know it was the case. I right. mean, and it seems like everyone else should have been on board. It's not just us being conspiracy theorists saying that. John Stewart went on... Right. What's-his-face's show? John, or uh, Stephen Colbert. Yeah, and was saying the his same His real name thing. is Stephen Colbert, by the way. <laughs> was saying the same thing that uh, it obviously it yeah. came from the Wuhan lab. That is what such, coincidence would there be that? That, that it, was such a great uncomfortable moment to watch, too. By the way, because John Stewart was kind of out of the game. He's I think he more or less retired, and uh, he's like, I don't, I can say kind of whatever I want. And to watch Stephen Colbert. Sit there and squirm in his chair. Like, <laughs> okay, then. Okay. Like, do we have proof of that? You know, he's like, no, he's given, he's, he has his directives. He has his narrative that's, that's fed to him. He's, he can only say one thing. Yeah. A rare moment lately of Jon Stewart actually being kind of poignant. Mm-hmm. Lately, his, his whole shtick has just been so cringeworthy. It's, I can't even watch yeah. it. But, um, <clears throat> I came across this, uh, video recently from the Epic Times that was explaining why it really matters that Fauci lied mm-hmm. and why, God, it, it doesn't seem possible, but why he should go to jail. This drives me, okay, I'm really interested in this because this drives me insane, is that whenever we see, like, here is the three by five note card of, a, of an acceptable opinion, as Tom Woods puts it. Here's the narrative. He didn't get that from us, by the way. No. <laughs> no, no. No, we rip him off. Like, he's farther down the trail. Is the, here's the approved narrative. We don't stray from that. And then when it turns out, we look back like, uh, that was, you guys are wrong, right? And then the reaction is always like, right, when are you guys going to let this go? It's like, when you guys stop fucking lying? Because the same thing happens over and over and over. I saw the perfect example of that with the juicy Samoa Lay. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, the, the, the guy faked a hate crime. I mean, he's like actively going out of his way to sow racial division. And like, this is right. like, this is the kind of thing that can destroy a country. And they're like, what, why are you guys so fixated on this? I'm like, for the reasons I just fucking said. Yes. <laughs> like, you, we don't do move. Yeah, so we lied or we got it wrong. Like, just move on. So then what we always talk about here is it's like, well, I'm done talking to you then. Like, I don't need to. Fine, I'll let it go, right? The juicy Smollett, the invasion of Iraq, whatever it is, the, the mass, the social distancing, the January 6th was January 6th, experimental gene therapy is like, okay, I'm fine. Catholic, we're racist, homophobic kids. Right, so I go, you know what? Fine, let's, let's just uh, let bygones be bygones. You guys got everything wrong. I was like, but I, I, I no longer need to hear your opinions on anything. You know, as we always say, like, don't tell, don't don't pivot and then start telling me about climate change after this. It's like I'm not listening. Like, right. why would I listen to someone that's wrong all the time? I mean, if you want to have a discussion and actually debate the merits of what you're talking about, then then I'm game. But if you're just going to shut me down and say why are you keep talking about this, then all right, I'm I'm done with you. I don't have time. I, I, there's other 
there's other people's hearts and minds that I'd rather be trying to win over, which seems like it's happening at a rapid pace. People yes. are, despite what the corporate media will tell you, people are rapidly waking up. Yeah, I think it's pretty encouraging. Yeah, um, watching the the sliding numbers for supporting the war in Ukraine is very, very refreshing for, for me to hear. Oh, man, it's so great. I'm so happy that whoever the Republican nominee is for president is going to be running on anti-war, anti-Ukraine war, and whoever it is for the Democrats is going to have to be somehow selling people on the idea of this war. It's the... they. Mu- I'll bet you they're, tr- per- they're planning how to walk the war back before the election. You think so? Because the opposite... It's a losing... The, the opposite is happening right now. I know. It's been very... Well, there's time. So this is a very, like... Dis- they probably want to ramp it up as rapidly as possible and get to the point where they feel like, okay, as long as we start walking it back at this point, then we can, by the time the election comes, we can we can be anti-war also by the time the election happens. I, I honestly, I hope so. I don't care who's in office. I, that's, like, more than anything else is this is... I really care about this. And yeah. I had kind of made a prediction that I've... God dang. <laughs> at first, like... I got a bit of a prediction here. I, I kind of see things going in this direction. I, I honestly hope that I'm wrong. And once I started looking into it, I said, like, shit. Like, this is already happening. And that is that your stance on Ukraine would become a tribal cultural issue. Mm-hmm. And we talk about all the time on this podcast the, the notion of a tribal binary. And so when people ask you, like, how, how would you define – or you guys bring that up a lot. Like, what is – what exactly does that mean? I was like, okay, so it's you, we have such a like palpable political division in this country. I mean, politics is a, is a very loaded and sloppy word, but let's just call it that. Right. And as that pertains to like, like like cultural kind of wedge issues is you get your narrative from your given, whatever you're given like 24 seven for profit media company. Here's your narrative. And you go into your camp and you stay in that camp and you stay in that camp absent of facts, uh, any kind of changing of information, you know, changing circumstances. And it's like, no matter what, and we talk about this, this is the saddest thing <laughs> ever. If you want to go one step farther down that road, it's it, Trump broke people's brain. It comes mm-hmm. down to like, well, where's Trump on this? Like that, that's where I am on this issue. Like masks, vaccine, Ukraine whatever, January 6th, wherever it is, and you double down. And this is what happens when you eliminate the concept of objective truth. It's like, you know, that's how tribalism works. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter that the science changed or whatever, you know what I mean? So a perfect example of this, and it's the same kind of ideological template that we can take from Ukraine to, like, the most glaring illustration that we saw of this in our lifetimes, I felt, was everything that happened around COVID. And so you look at, just take kids, for example. Kids aren't affected by this. We knew kind of very early on. And it turns out they're not efficient vectors of the disease. And you have people going like, I don't care. School should be locked down. I want my kid wearing a mask. And you're like, you, you're, you, have you noticed you're ruining your kid's life at this point? Mm-hmm. Right? Your kid's depressed. We look at the um, issues of you know, the, the, how much anxiety kids have. I mean, suicide, which I just I can't even mm-hmm. barely let come out of my mouth. And people are like, <clears throat> well, no. Like, where's Trump on this? Well, no. I want my kid staying home. I want my kid depressed. I want him in a mask. Mm-hmm. I'm going to inject him with experimental gene therapy. That's how I'm signaling my virtue. That's the same mindset that, that we see, you know, where you stand on Ukraine. 
Um, so what I was going to say about Fauci is that it, it matters. So the guy should go to jail. Which is the same mindset. So we're talking about the same psychology for all these. It's all in that same, yeah, same realm. The, the man should go to jail. And it's even hard for me, someone who believes that, to imagine like how an elected, not an unelected bureaucrat who is on the news all the time could actually end up in jail. Like, I can't wrap my head around what that actually looks like. Yeah. Although I know intellectually that that is the correct outcome for somebody to do what he did. Yeah. That that is, a punishment is in order. Whether it's jail or something else, a punishment is definitely in order. Yeah. And I just want to, to help you wrap your head around why that is obviously the, the only outcome that's just. I'm just going to sum up what I, what I heard recently. Okay. And this is why it matters. Because it's very easy to think, well, okay, so, and I'm just talking about him lying about the origin of the disease, whether it came from nature or came from a lab. Why does that matter? Because you could very easily just say, well, I mean, whether it came from nature or it came from a lab, what difference does it make? It's still, once it's out, it's out. Everyone gets it. And the course of events unfold exactly the same way. It doesn't matter if, if he had said in the beginning that it was one way or the other. Yeah. This is why it matters. <clears throat> Originally, what we thought was that COVID was SARS. Mm-hmm. SARS-CoV-2. Right. Right? It's a novel coronavirus. We had an idea of what this thing was. And in nature, SARS is a very deadly uh, virus, let's right. just say. I was going to say flu. Pathogen. I don't think that's exactly accurate, but it's very deadly. 10% death rate, basically, yeah. which is insane. right? If 10% of the people in the world had died from COVID, it, we'd be living in a very different right. world right now. As it stands, only and this is debatable that anyone actually died from COVID, right? Because with the way that they calculated deaths, it's hard to know if someone actually died from COVID or they died from a motorcycle accident or they died from the flu. I mean, there's some people that say that the that COVID was just a flu that they were calling uh, COVID. Yes, so, and for those of you, if you know, for anyone that hears that, go like, okay, here they go. Some exactly. Weird I know I'm off the, on the deep end here. Okay, so. You got to take into account. I was like, if you are telling me about COVID statistics and you're not mentioning anything about comorbidities, which uh, comorbidities and the average COVID death, I think had an average of like four four, co- four comorbidities. Comorbidities, <laughs> interesting. Also, <laughs> and then also if we look at uh, wow, we had what fourteen hundred flu deaths when it's usually twenty eight thousand or something. The, the flu disappeared sure. at the same time. So exactly into the PIC category and everything that the CDC changed. But right, okay. So we know that uh, SARS is very deadly. COVID was not nearly as deadly, even by the worst estimates of the most you know right. uh, pro. Well, I don't know. Whatever. Pro COVID is a terrible disease, people. Yeah. Um, which we are not. We are COVID is barely anything that should even cross your mind. Even by using their statistics, the disease has a survivability rate of 99.97%. Exactly. And a, and a mortality rate that's higher than our median death age. Exactly. The uh, mortality rate is 80. I think our median death age is 78, something like that. So. Yeah. Not only that, but the other difference is that a normal SARS virus in nature 
is not all that contagious. Mm-hmm. So it's not very easy to contract SARS from somebody um, normally. Where, and the opposite is true with COVID. COVID is extremely contagious. Very easy to contract. Yeah. Which means that the... I'm pretty sure I have it right now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got something, too. I probably gave it to you yesterday when I was rolling around in your sweat. <laughs> in a jiu-jitsu jam. <laughs> Dude, you can't... Yeah, let's go ahead. <laughs> so, um, it turns out there are... Uh, why does this matter? Well, the way that you deal with a SARS virus is through things like... Uh, Contact tracing, mm-hmm. social distancing. You use methods that work to actually keep people from getting this disease. And because it's so deadly, you have to, and at the same time, not all that contagious, it is easier to protect people by keeping them distant. And you can use contact tracing because just because you and I are in the same room doesn't mean that we would contract this disease from one another. Yeah. It takes an act, it's harder to catch it, right? Right. So if you did catch it, it's easier to tell where you got it from. Whereas with COVID, you could just walk, you know, through a room of 20 people. And because it stays alive in the air for much longer and it's, it's floating on, um, on uh, water vapor from people's lungs and it's, it's just always out there, it's impossible to use contact tracing as any sort of... Right. And your stupid mask is completely ineffective because all you have to do is just some air has to get out of your mouth, and now all of a sudden COVID is in the air and everyone can catch it. Especially when you're only wearing it around your chin, lady at the grocery store I saw this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so all this is to say the way to deal with COVID and the way to deal with SARS were completely opposite. Yes. Everything that we did to deal with COVID had zero effect on dealing with COVID. Right. But it totally fucked up our lives. Yeah. It ruined our economy. It turned our kids into basket cases. Yeah. It caused the worst side the worst outcomes you could have when you're looking at children that you already mentioned. I don't even want to repeat. Pretty much got everything wrong. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's why it matters. Now, Fauci definitely knew about this. Yes. He sent Email. He created a task force to come up with a research paper saying, stating that COVID definitely came out of a out of nature. Actually, before that, that the team that he came up with, they came to the conclusion like this looks like it came from a lab. Yes, and we have these emails. Well, now. that's why he came up with yeah. this task force. So he he was, and then he goes, we have the emails. Mm-hmm. He was emailed by these people that said that, hey, hey thanks for the report. Uh, we're gonna tweak a few things. Exactly. And so <laughs> then he mind. he put together a task force yeah. to come up with a theory that totally was antithetical to right. the lab yeah. leak theory. Yeah. And why would he do that? Could it have anything to do with the fact that he funded the lab where this came from? And he was totally linked to if not totally responsible for this disease existing in the first place and then this guy this had the 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 audacity to come out in a press conference and say well uh i can cite a a paper with you know people that are you know virologists you know that did this paper that's saying like most likely this came from nature and we have these emails we have the press conference and we go like then we realize like oh you edited and organized this paper and yes, he's claiming it's like yeah, I, I can't, I can't give you the name right off the. No, top he of my denied head. even knowing the people. Right. Yeah. So he 
is totally culpable. I'm not saying that he went down to the lab, took out one of the vials, infected people, and, in, and thereby infected the world, right? right? But he is responsible. The same way that people yeah. that you know, make mistakes in their daily lives and ends up lo- leading to other people being hurt or killed or worse or whatever. Yes, you are responsible. He has a major role to play in this. And the cover-up makes it even worse. The guy belongs in jail. Yeah, for absolutely. This. I mean, it's not even an emotional thing. It's like, yes, I'm sorry, you fucked up. Yep. And then you tried to hide it. He should go to jail for that. It's, it's black and white at this point. There, there's no doubt. The only thing that's going to keep that from happening is politics. Which is what will happen. Yes. Because you could think about the exact same kind of psychological template that I was talking about with this other stuff, with whatever it is, Ukraine or, you know, it's the same mind. Like, you saying that, X percentage of the population, I mean, we can almost call it roughly half, will say like, nope, 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 nope. Not, I'm not listening to this. I, d- I don't want to hear it. Like, you're wrong. It's a conspiracy. You know what I mean? They're dug into their tribal, their tribal binary, which is, that's why I explain this stuff. Yep. Well, hopefully we're going to see like a uh, a shift. I think that the world is ready for a shift. I fucking hope so. It seems to me like... Because that tribal binary is now actively pushing us into a potential world war, <laughs> which is terrifying to me. I'm not even sure I mind the tribal part of it. Yeah? As long as the tribe is the tribe of... The truth. Do you feel like that you are more or less a man without a country at some point? Because I've felt like that since I was in my 20s. Is, is that now, so me watching the left go, okay, so in, th- you know, in the last three years, you watch the left go, you know, which was typically anti-big pharma, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, no, now we're all in. It was like dizzying. I, I just watched, you know, as you say, we watched it from the sidelines. I'm like, that. Well, wow, okay. Because I've distrusted Big Pharma and any big corporation my entire life. Yeah. So now we are really, really looking at the fact, the idea that being pro-military intervention is going to be a left thing. And I was watching stuff on MS, MSNBC. And it's like, yeah, the propaganda is already being rolled out. Totally. Because you told me about the uh, Tucker Carlson sent out a questionnaire about, like, where do you stand on Ukraine, right? right? And I think Ron DeSantis, who is a politician, so he gave a politician answer, which is are usually non-answers because they want to leave the doors open for whatever's going to get them the most votes. He gave a very benign, kind of loosey-goosey, like, uh, it's not a – what do you say? It's like not a top priority. Like America has other priorities and you rattle off a list or whatever. But he also left it open like, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to get rid of the people that are pro-Ukraine. I don't want to get rid of the people that are, you know, anti-Ukraine, whatever it is. Like, I didn't read it that way. <clears throat> really? How'd you read it? I read it as being much it was, more it was, anti-war. It was much more anti-war. Well, he said it's not a top priority though. I mean, he called it a territorial dispute between, between Russia and Between Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah, but the way that he worded it, it wasn't. He was saying like, "Nope, I'm. Uh, we're absolutely not getting involved in Ukraine." It wasn't a definitive answer. Okay. Like you're right. It was definitely like leaning toward. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't quite read that, uh, but I, I could see where you came up with that. It's it's uh, right after he said that, the propaganda campaign just like rolled out immediately, and within the last week, now we have watched. And like I said, I, I didn't want to predict this. I was saying, like, I hope this doesn't happen. 
I'm like, I'm going to look into it. I looked into it. I'm like, it's already happening. Like within three days, like it's already happening. Everyone on MSNBC, CNN, like DeSantis said this, all right, we're pro-Ukraine, which means we're pro-foreign military in- intervention, which you can explain it however you want, which it means that you are pro-war. Like you want to go to war. Weren't they already there though? Not, not, so, not, not, that, not so out loud though. Like it wasn't, yeah, it, no, it wasn't as a, it was avert. I mean, they've always been like stand with Ukraine, stand with Ukraine. Now it's just like, let's let's go to war. Let's go it's to actually, war in Ukraine. Yeah, which is actually brilliant. And again, props to to Tucker for doing that because now it's overt. It's obvious. Like you have to. You're either it, for the war. We kind of ripped off you're the band aid for yeah. nuclear war, or you're against it. <laughs> no, right? And dude, when you when you came from the left, you came from the left. I came from the left. When you come from the left, you're like, yeah, I've always hated big pharma and big corporations, and I've always been anti-war. Like, I don't think we should belong in any of these countries at all. It's like, now all of a sudden that makes me like a right-wing extremist because MSNBC is saying this. And when you have that tribal binary brain, they're like, well, no, no, no. This is – who said that? Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. What do I know about Ron DeSantis? Um, I know he's trying to outlaw gay marriage. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's trying to bring back slavery. And I know that he goes to bed every night praying for the death of all trans people. Like, yeah, I'm pro-Ukraine. Let's go to fucking war. And when you're on the sidelines, like, it is astounding. Like, it's fascinating to watch. Like, it is. I came so from the left scary. anti-war. And I, all of a sudden, like, I'm still anti-war, guys. I haven't changed my mind. I was against the war in Iraq. Yemen, Syria, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Somalia, Libya. I mean, list them up. I was against them all. And how does history view all those wars? All of them were fucking devastating. They were all fucking mistakes. They were all fucking a complete debacle at the end. I mean, none of them ended up. I mean, what, what, we find those WMDs yet, Iraq? I mean, from our perspective, you couldn't find a war in history that we would be behind. Yes. World War II, World War I, the fucking Civil War. Maybe the Revolutionary War. I got some strong Actually, feelings on the Falklands, but yeah. I can. <laughs> <laughs> and so when these people, they, when we talk about, you know, the NPCs or the tribal binary, it's like they get force-fed media and they run that lower primate 2.0 system. And it's just, it computes out their answer. They don't critically think about any of these things. And you, you talk about, you know, there's, well, and we have to say the same thing that we about Putin now that we talk about Trump. You know, it's like Trump book. Okay, first, not a Trump supporter. Like blah blah blah. Now I had to go like, listen, Putin is an evil guy. Like I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying that at all. What what I'm saying is I don't want to be in war at other countries. And when you say like, yeah, he's terrible. He's a dictator. He needs to do this. I'm all. This is exactly what you guys said, except you guys were Republicans back then about Saddam Hussein. And this whole for us or against us, and for those of you that don't get irony, like there's a, I purposely used a George W. Bush quote of your for us or against us, and we go to fucking war in Iraq. And if you take one fact away from this, if you all of a sudden are all in on Ukraine, if they're saying the exact same things they said about all these other countries that we are currently about Ukraine, and why we get this narrative from people all of a sudden, like, yeah, but this one's different. It's not different. You guys have said that about every single war, every time. Sadad, uh, Assad gassed his own people. Like, no, he didn't. He did not. Like, Saddam Hussein's the evil dictator. So what? I'm sorry. It's, yeah. Some places of the world are shitholes. It's, it's like, when we go in there and try to fix things or deliver democracy or do the right thing, it's never, ever 
ends the way we want it. If you take away, if we take away one thing from this is that we went into basically get rid of Saddam Hussein because he's an evil dictator. The vast majority, I mean, the numbers aren't even close. The vast majority of people killed in that war were innocent civilians. That's all you have to remember. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens in every single one of these conflicts. And so if you are still, after knowing that, going like, yeah, but Ukraine's different. Like, I don't want you coming in question. Like, I can't believe someone would fly a plane into a building like that. Like, it's because of fucking people like you that support us going over and bombing fucking a bunch of innocent people into the world. Where do you think these fucking terrorists come from? They're not just born out of the womb. Like, I hate America. Like, no, we create these people by doing this. Yep. Amen and hallelujah. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go a little bit long here. Actually, probably not. Um, we've had a request for solutions in the past, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I have one. Do you now? It's the same solution that I always have. The solution is—is is it this one? Well, I think that the the, the concerns are based on what we should all be concerned about. But right. the, the right. solutions right. have to be and include what we are doing in terms of going forward, in yes. terms of investments. Exactly. All right. Top yes. that, Mr. Smarty Pants. <laughs> okay. The solution is there's nothing you can do about it. But your children might have a chance. Okay. And James brought up the other day the idea of wars being, especially lately, very, very long Long in the tooth? No, it means old, right? Yeah. No, lasting a long time. Right. So if you have kids that are 10, 12, 14 years old right now, and we end up in a war in Ukraine, let's say, or anywhere else, the chances of them fighting in that war are high. Almost, a, almost 100%. Is going to last long enough that they would be of age to fight in that war. Why would you think that? Uh, well... Zelensky came right out and said it, that our sons and daughters will be fighting exactly. in this war. We could start there. And if we're taking the position that any border dispute anywhere in the world is something that we need to be involved in, then buckle up because you're going to have, your kids are going to be in that war. Right. And in case you didn't know this, the draft is still a thing. The draft is, a, well, it's, it's illegal in my opinion, but legally a thing that the federal government can institute at any time. So the answer to this problem is to raise kids that are going to think for themselves and are going to be the elites that we need in the future to resist this shit that's going on right now. Um, There is... um, a very strong link between children that are raised without fathers and crime. So I think it's pretty much irrefutable. Right. Yeah. Specifically this I found this article actually pretty interesting. Um I heard someone so on the subject I remember hearing, I can't attribute the credit. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of who it is, but they were, they were talking about solutions. They're saying, like, what would be the one thing you could do? Like, you got the power to just do one thing. He goes, uh, I would have a father in every single home. He's like, that is the hub from which all problems like, spoke out from there. I remember hearing that. I mean, I heard that before I had kids. I heard this like 20 years ago. I'm like, that's a really, because I started taking stock of the friends that I had, the kind of the wayward friends that, 
grew up with broken families in the past that they were on. You know, it's just about the age, you know, where people were kind of settling into their whatever the path that they were going to be on in life. And I thought that was a, a perfect way to express that sentiment. <coughs> it's interesting you say that. In this article um, that's talking about uh, this guy, uh, Warren Farrell, he wrote a book called The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It. He found that being dad-deprived is a leading factor in males' increased uh, mental illness, addiction, and suicide. And in the state of Florida, the evil Ron DeSantis um, recently passed a bill which allotted uh, $70 million to provide um, family and youth support. I'm not necessarily in favor of governments being involved in, in people's right. families. Um, but uh, the, the goal of this legislation is to try to increase the importance of fatherhood in the family. It's not just to provide money to people that don't have fathers. Yeah. The goal of the legislation or of this, this program is to actually try to keep fathers in their families' lives. Wait, wait, wait. Who's introducing this legislation? The evil Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I'm against it. I'm yeah, against it. yeah, exactly. I stand, um, I stand with Ukraine. So in this in uh, this guy's book, this feral guy's book, he um, he talks about boys suffering because they're being told that their masculinity is bad, and this is something that we can do to help. Mm -hmm. You know, when we have guests on and when we talk to our, our friends on the on the show, sometimes we always talk about kids and how privileged we are to be fathers, especially of boys, you and I being right. fathers of boys. And uh, I think that... Whew, dodge your bullet there. <laughs> no <laughs> shit, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not. Um, it's... Uh, it, it should be... You don't realize how great it is to be a father, especially of a son, until you get there. Yeah. All right. And you're being given the opportunity to <clears throat> change the world that it's literally like you're, you're literally changing the world and you didn't even know that you had that in you. You didn't know that you were capable of that. You didn't know that God was going to bless you with the opportunity to do that. But it's just being like you're just being handed this little like lump of clay that you are, and you're not the only one shaping it. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's already mostly formed. There's mm -hmm. not much you can do about it. And I've always said, you can fuck your kids up very easy, but it, making them great is not that, is, is very difficult. Right. There's not much you can do to make them great. So all you really have to do is just not fuck them up. Mm -hmm. They're going to be who they are. And you're given this opportunity to, to just usher this, this beautiful thing into the world and teach them to be the people that we need to, in order to rectify society, right? And so what we're, we're fighting against is this ideology of um, masculinity being a bad thing. He's, he says in this, in this book, the world was not dominated by a patriarchy. It was dominated by the need to survive. And in order to survive, both males and females were restricted in their roles. Um, adding that feminism blames men for societal problems and does not take into account the sacrifices that they make for their families. We are constantly giving boys a negative image of themselves that is leading to low self-esteem, that is leading to needing compensation, he said. And that's kind of what I mean right there. Yeah. If you can combat that, 
then they will evolve into the wonderful, God-fearing, loving, protective, honest men that the world lacks and needs severely. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is not fuck them up with this feminism <clears throat> ideology bullshit that, that he's, he's saying is, is such a problem. I just, I keep thinking that when you say these things and they resonate with me and they make sense, and I always do the advocate, devil's advocate in my head, I was like, what is behind the psychology against of, of the people that hear that paragraph from this intellectual that wrote it and just go into immediate tantrum mode and just are disgusted by that? Because the, the idea, the notion of masculinity became a pejorative. I mean, mm-hmm. within less than a decade. Yeah, and it, it, or or I don't know. It began. To, it began. It began a. It, it it was reframed and repackaged to everyone as being anti-feminism. You're like, no, no, no. We yeah. need feminism and we need masculinity. Yeah, you, you need the two parts. Yeah, like there are there are things for my family that I can't provide that my wife does. I just I'm not as right. good as she is at it. And there's things that I provide for my family that she can't. I don't know what those people are thinking, but uh, I'm the like. I will say this. The vast majority of those people don't have kids, which I'm is the, this is kind of funny. I'm the likable right-wing wingnut down the street from you mm-hmm. who is going to say the opposite, and I don't really care if, if your right. feminist ideology doesn't agree with me. I'm, I'm saying the opposite. You say what you want to say. I'm, I'm saying this, that yeah. boys are important, men are important. The sacrifices that we make um, need to be appreciated and, and respected and, and honored and, and, and built up. And right. obviously the same is true for women, but we're not really struggling in society with a lack of respect for women right now. In fact, we're probably overdoing it to that degree. Um, here is uh, here is a uh, something from Instagram. Actively. This is uh, be called, my ideas to be called Jack Brewer. Uh, and to be made a mockery of uh, in front of the nation, you know, I know that I'm taking that persecution in the name of Jesus because we, I hear a lot of flesh talk. I don't hear any spirit talk. He's talking about mass shooting. Spirit talk says that we cannot solve things of the flesh with the flesh. The things of the spirit must come in. When you pull a trigger and mass shoot somebody, you are spiritually weak. And for us to sit here as we look and see that 82% of people that commit mass shootings are fatherless. To not look at that as a root cause to me is idiocy. And so when we start talking about our kids, look at what's happening in our public schools. A lot of our public schools kids are reading three and four grade levels below their proficiency. They don't have dads at home to hold them accountable. And so to say that that doesn't play in to why we have so much gun violence in our streets makes no sense. Go into the prisons and talk to the people who are pulling the trigger. I am here speaking for them because I serve them every day. And the reason the only way that they rehab is through the word of God. We don't teach God in our schools anymore. We don't even teach the Ten Commandments. Most kids don't even know the Ten Commandments. And so they don't have a fear of God. If you don't have a fear of God, there is no way that you are going to be able to go into a society. Go into the- That's great. Yep. Yeah. Another solution right there. Teach your kids a fear of God. And even if you are not spiritually minded, let's say you are a complete atheist, the essence of his message is there's no argument against it. I agree. Yeah. 100%. 
Um, <clears throat> this is the dad of the gay nightclub shooter in Colorado. He was gay and a shooter, or he shot gay people in a nightclub? He shot gay people in a nightclub. Okay. I, he might have been gay, but if he was, uh, it really would have upset his father. Adios, YouTube. <laughs> we had a good run. <laughs> people. Right. And then I thought they were on to find it's a, a gay bar. Yeah, right. And, and, and I was like, oh my God, is he gay? As a scare, like, oh my God, shit, is he gay? Hmm. And he's not gay, so it's like this. <laughs> well, you guys had had conversations about that. You, you were. Oh yeah, so like, you, 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 I was you adamant. Him, yeah, you were adamant that gay is gay this is bad. Yeah. I'm a Mormon. So he shot up a bunch of people in a bar. <laughs> That's the only question. Well, thank God he's not gay. <laughs> so, you know, this guy. This was, guy clearly has a variety of issues going on. A terrible. Well. I'm not going to be too judgmental on this guy, but it this guy's obviously fucked up. Yeah. Right? The, the gay nightclub shooter's dad yeah. is totally fucked up, and it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Right? He, they're not showing an interview of a dad that was really involved in his kid's life that was right. you know, very supportive and, and trying to you know, teach him about God and teach him the right way to, to, to be. Here is... Um, okay, so uh, just to show this funny kind of... <laughs> contrary view of being a dad. Matt and I are advocates of being a dad. If you're not a dad yet, you should become one. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the woman? Was it Chelsea? Chelsea Handler. Handler that yeah. posted that video about Day how in the life of a childless to... woman. Yes. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was called? So yeah. this is a, uh, it's a, spoof a rebuttal that. to that. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, just how great it was to not have kids and how she could just get stoned and masturbate all day long. And yeah, it was obviously, you know, extremely tongue in cheek and done for comedic purposes, but that is also her thing. It's just, you know, I, I don't want kids. I don't need kids. And hearing someone, I don't know, what is she, what is she 50 something years old, mm-hmm. like late forties yeah. is I heard, I heard a good perspective on that. It's, uh, you know. If you have that friend, you have this constantly telling you like how happy he is being single. You're like, I didn't really ask. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you keep saying that? You go like, this dude's fucking miserable. Yep. <laughs> he's, he's in dire need of a companion. Thou protest too much. <laughs> yes. So uh, this looks. This is a day in the life of a nice. childless man. In the morning, I wake up to the alarm of unbearable feelings of glorious loneliness. From that point. I do whatever I want because not having kids empowers me to stay an immature child myself. With my coffee, I write in my journal to remind me how the world does in fact revolve around me. (laughs) At noon, I award myself 10 virtue signaling points for not having kids just like the globalists want. In the afternoon, I treat myself to red light therapy to help strengthen my narcissism at the cellular level. Then I enjoy reading about Marxism and all the benefits of destroying the nuclear family. So good. And before bed, I count my money and think about how it's the true source of happiness. Those idiots with kids are missing out. I would cry myself to sleep, but I'm a man, so I repress my emotions instead. It's amazing how much meaning you can miss out on when you set your life up to make everything about you. And that's the day in the life of a childless man. <laughs> this is a day in the life so of good. a child. That guy is so funny. He is he's perfect. <laughs> I, watching his, uh, awake, this is for people not watching, Awaken with JP, 
watching his evolution has been magnificent. I know. It's just, it's been on a similar trajectory as ours, actually. Yeah. "Ah, I just, I don't know. I kind of keep my penis to myself. And and then COVID just goes like, there was like a line in the sand. Where are you on this? Right. Are you this or are you that? Which goes back to the Ukraine thing that we're talking about. Goes back to the COVID stuff that we're talking about. Talks about your view on kids. Exact same thing. It's it, everything became that tribal binary. It's like, and we. I never drew a line in the sand. I don't. I don't care if you're vaccinated. I don't, you want to keep your kids at home? Keep your kids at home. You want to wear a mask around your chin? Lady at the grocery store this morning. Like what? I'm like, I won't make fun of you. Maybe that's your happy thing or yeah. whatever. Maybe you have a giant goiter on your chin. <laughs> <laughs> Socially acceptable way to hide it. You do. It's a mask. <laughs> and I just, I never had thoughts on this. And it's, I feel like the other side, we talk about people that are more liberty-minded are always on their heels. It's like, someone else is drawing in a line in the sand for you. It's like, where are you on this issue? I'm like, uh, I'm against foreign military intervention. I'm against bombing other countries. I'm, I don't think we should be involved in other countries. Like, oh, you're, you're pro-Putin. You're a Russian asset. And no. And like now, it's just like being a Trump guy. It's like, I, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm just saying like Trump broke people's brains. And it's just like, it's, we're seeing this weird, like psychotic chasm in our society because of these things. Yeah. People are, I think, coming around though. It's, I hope so. And I think the same way that JP came around, the same way that you and I came around, like once you start to pull at that string and unravel the illusion that you had in your head, this idea of this, everything was, you know, this house of cards was built in your mind about how your side was right and the other side was wrong, it all starts to collapse and you realize that you're being lied to by powers much more powerful than just the Democrats or the Republicans. It's this, I mean, God, we could do a whole, we could write a book. On the two-party People illusion. Have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On how the whole system is set up to deceive us and keep us in the dark and keep us just tuned into the, the breads and circuses of the two-party system. There is and a book written about that called This Town by Mark Leibovich, which rides like, which... So my favorite podcast hit on this all the time. We we talk about it all the time. It's you're living under the illusion of a two party system. There's no there's a unit party. There's only one party. Democrats, Republicans, they all are the same people. We we hit this constantly. They, I think every book that we recommend on this show is that same theme. Yeah. Absolutely. Industrial society and its future. Future. <laughs> Uh, the, the creature from Jekyll Island. From Jekyll um, Island. I just reread the Law. The octopus. By Frederick Bastiat. Yeah. Or not not Bastiat. Uh, Fre- uh, the Law by uh, <clears throat> whatever the, the French guy from back in the mm-hmm. 1800s. A book that's over 200 years old. Right. Saying the exact same shit that we say on this uh, podcast. It's like it's this isn't a new concept. It's it takes a lot of work to keep the the wool pulled over people's eyes, but it's. Being, it's also the reason it takes a lot of work is because it's constantly being pulled back and people are constantly waking up. Lady love of my baby girl, spread your wings so we can fly around the world. Harmony, charm on me, your fingertips are calm on me. When you drop the kiss of Susie Q, you drop the bomb on me. Stretch it, stretch it, flex it, flex it. Give me the permission, okie dokie, I bless it. Bless it like Buddha, Buddha as the best. We can lay down at the love and put your head on my chest. That we, that we
Bet you where you hide the wood, I got to keep the bubbling. Do me right, do me right, my lonesome dove, dove. Tell your man one time, what is this thing called love? I'm not quite sure as to what is going down, but I'm feeling hunky dory about the thing I found. Yeah. Yeah.